Good morning everyone. Um, I'm up. I am feeling fresh. It's kind of weird. I think what I'm realising today about getting up and getting outside literally as the first thing I do is that the negative thoughts don't really have time to like get going. Like they don't have time to start telling me I can't do things or overthinking the day or whatever, which is very interesting. And it feels like the the first thing I acknowledge is the outside. It's almost like nothing else really has as much weight. That's what it feels like. It's kind of amazing. I wasn't expecting that at all. I'm in this beautiful field of dandelion clocks and I just picked one up and blew it because you know why the not but I was saying um, to a few people the other day I had this massive urge to make a daisy chain and I told myself no <laughs> can't do that um, you're beyond that you know what the hell why are you having those thoughts that's so weird like come on are you becoming a child or something but then I really I'm really proud I really did honor it and I went to the park and I picked loads of daisies and I got back home and I put some nice spring music on and I made my daisy chain and it was so nice it was so like self-carey so that was beautiful so today I kind of want to talk about power abuse. Um, It's not the most uplifting topic, but I kind of, I was sent this article by a lady on LinkedIn called Susan Eldridge, who is Australian musician and music journalist. And she sent it to me and said, oh, I think you should read this. And oh my goodness, it was absolutely amazing. I'm trying to think of the actual details of the article. I will share it um, on the notes of this podcast and also maybe on Instagram. But it was basically talking about power abuse in conservatoire situations and music schools. And I was going to say, obviously, it might not be obvious to some people, but clearly there have been instances in the not-so-recent past um, of sexual abuse within music education settings and that is terrifying to me um although having been in it it's not entirely surprising to me either which is also terrifying to me (laughs) it was called strengthening oh it's from the strengthening music in society website and the author is david emil vickshorm Um, and he talked about a survey done by the ISM, a musician's union, in 2018 showing that 57% of the respondents reported experiencing inappropriate behaviour 42% experienced bullying 36% experienced gender discrimination 27% experienced sexual harassment and that is just 
if there's anything we need to talk about it's this and I just thought maybe this morning I'd share a tiny bit of my experience and just open the conversation really because it's a massive mental health issue and I think when I was at conservatoire I I was suffering from you know this big anxiety problem and I I loved telling people that it was nothing to do with being a musician, nothing to do with the conservatoire, not at all, completely separate issue. And to an extent that's true, but now I'm free from it, I can see what elements of it were very toxic and weren't helping my mental health. So this is a mental health conversation that needs to be had. Basically my situation starts back, Cheatham School of Music. (laughs) I was recovering from an injury and um, in my left hand and I got very interested in the Alexander technique um, and I started having private lessons with someone who taught the Alexander technique and they were odd to be honest like they were helpful but I always got odd vibes from the person it was never like fully professional they used to say that I was um like oh you're a bit moody this week aren't you or like I don't know just kind of slight kind of I can't think of any other examples really in this context but they were never kind of totally on board it was always just slightly weird and if you understand what Alexander technique is it's sort of a philosophy of allowing performers to open up and release tension um to aid performance and noticing how to control your body and so part of the way the practitioners work is to you know sort your body out on a table in semi-supine which I really felt uncomfortable with this person doing to me Um, but it was incredibly hard to say that Um, I'm not going to go into more about exactly that um, because that wasn't really the total problem you know they did what they had to do and to a certain extent it was very professionally done it's just that the relationship that they had kind of created meant that that was very uncomfortable for me um basically the situation happened in a performance class where sometimes the alexander technique teachers would come and give a performance class and basically talk about your playing in a more kind of holistic way and my Alexander personal Alexander technique teacher came when I was playing and basically (laughs) shamed me in front of the whole class um and it was oh it was so awful they basically made comments about my weight in a very weird way so they're basically saying Oh, it was so awkward. I don't even want to say, but I will. Basically saying, so if we look at Hattie, we can clearly see Hattie's very big. Hattie's very big. And the problem about you, Hattie, is that you act as if you're so much smaller than you actually are. So you're crumpling yourself down and pretending that you're so much smaller. But the reality is that you're actually a really big person. And it's like, okay do you really have to be saying that? And everyone was like pissing themselves. Not everyone was pissing themselves. A lot of people were like so shocked that they were going on like this. But 
Oh, it was so awkward after that because this person is really well respected in the in the kind of Alexander technique world. And I tried to talk to people about what happened, how it's not too bad, but I just want it to stop here. I don't want to go any further with this person. Please can I end my lessons? And it was so awkward because the response I got was, oh, they didn't mean it in that way. You know, it's a very kind of intimate setting and things can be said that they don't mean. And I was like, yeah, but I'm uncomfortable now. I, I can't trust this person anymore. It's not about like, that's the thing. It's not necessarily about how horrendous what they said was. It's about how it made me feel. And it made me feel so foolish and just awful. And so I was ready just to, to get it, give up. But I had to go through so many barriers to do that. I was questioned by my cello teacher, you know, why are you giving up now? I thought you said it was helpful. And I was like, ah, no. <laughs> I feel just so awkward. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've un- I understand how hard it can be to kind of express exactly how you feel with power abuse in that way or like somebody saying something that's really uncomfortable for you and people not fully being on board and taking your interests first I think they were very kind of embarrassed about what that might mean for this person if I was to sort of speak any more about the issue um but the second sort of thing I want to talk about was in college and you know this is very tricky to talk about um because the person that I was studying with has a lot of students that really respect them and get a lot from them and it's not that I think you know they are a terrible person it's that it just didn't work for me so my cello professor at college um I chose to go into this relationship half knowing exactly what was going to happen. I really did. In my consultation lesson, it was very clear that I had to give my full, full, undivided attention and commitment to this philosophy of teaching, which I wanted to do because at that point in my life, I thought that was the only way I could be good. I saw the other students this teacher had. I thought, oh my gosh, if they say yes to me, what does that mean about me? That's incredible. That gives me the biggest chance. Like, so it was all wrapped up in my ego, really, as to why I said yes and as to why I wanted to go into this teaching style. And I did know, but it says a lot about me. And to be honest... The situation only kind of got worse and worse as I continued to learn from this person. So, ah, it was just severe emotional kind of manipulation on a level where you don't notice it when you're in it. I didn't really notice it until it had got really bad. I thought that having a panic attack before every lesson in the downstairs warm-up room was normal. I thought that working four hours of practice a day, coming into the 
the lesson, playing everything I had worked on, and that still not being enough, me then communicating how I have done my absolute best and I'm really sorry if that's not enough, and that still being the wrong answer, I didn't see that that was a problem at all. And I would, you know, I would end up making up excuses that weren't true to, because I was so embarrassed that the work I'd done wasn't enough. So they would say, oh my goodness, you know, you clearly haven't been working at this. You clearly have not been dedicated. You know, do you want this or not? Like, do you want this or not? And I'd be like, oh, well, to be honest, I've had a really hard time. You know, I haven't had much chance to practice, even though I had. (laughs) You know, I had to lie and say, yes, this is definitely a problem with me. Even though it was a total lie, I had been doing all the work I possibly could have done. And to leave a, a lesson situation where you are just powerless because you're saying to yourself, I cannot push myself any further. I cannot give what they are asking for. And I don't know whether this is to do with kind of comparison between students or whatever, because I wasn't, I was very much at the bottom of the pack of the class. (laughs) And maybe there were expectations for me to, you know, blaze and become the incredible cellist that some of the ones at the top were. But I I couldn't be that. I tried to be that and I couldn't be that and that wasn't enough for them. So the kind of manipulation continued. And it's kind of reminding me of being in a toxic relationship of any kind where it was as if any time it was bad, I'd ignore it. And then every time it was good or I'd have a good lesson, that would convince me and redeem me that I was doing the right thing for myself and that they were the right person for me and all the other stuff was kind of just ignored at that point even though a lot of people around me were saying you don't need this like this is so unfair you're doing everything you can and this is so unfair and I think another part of the kind of power abuse that I think is so detrimental that I experienced was control over what I was playing, control over who I was playing to, control over who I had lessons from. And I realised how small this was keeping my creative life. And there was this whole thing about how I'm only in first and second year, so I can't do these concerts, I can't play to these people because I am quote unquote not ready. And I just think if I've, you know, if you've got to the RCM, you are bloody ready to play to whoever you fucking want to. (laughs) If you've got to music college, you go and play to whoever you fucking want to. And so, you know, I would have to do concerts in secret. I had no support for a lot of concerts because I was too scared to admit to them that I was preparing for it. Because the only things I could prepare for were these really kind of dull ass masterclasses. I wasn't ready for anything else. I couldn't apply for anything else because I just wasn't ready and I'd be an embarrassment to them. I'd be this total embarrassment if I possibly put myself out there any more than absolute minimum until I reached kind of stratospheric levels. And I was never going to be that person. I was never going to be good enough for that. And that's okay. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I was so in the system I was so tied up around I'm not good enough I have to wait until I've been given the go sort of go ahead from my teacher to become the cellist I am 
it's not even about the cellist I could be. I was squished from being the cellist I actually am. Like, I wasn't allowed to be the musician I am because apparently I wasn't ready. And yeah, that was just really detrimental to me. And so at the end of my second year, it all came to a head and some intense things happened, which is kind of, I haven't got time to go into, but I ended up, I ended up leaving and the respect I have for their cello teaching style and technique has only improved since leaving and I still use so many of these um, incredible techniques that I was given and you know the actual teaching was brilliant it was just the kind of power dynamic was so toxic for me Um, and I think I'm sure I'm not alone in that this is probably incredibly long right now yes it is Um, but I kind of think it's important to talk about because a big part of not feeling trapped is feeling that your teacher is giving you the freedom to ask different people for help to go to different places for you know inspiration to open your eyes open the world speak to people play in different places to different people and a lot of that was just not an option my world became very small and for some people that's really important at a time in their development and I don't you know I don't criticize that at all but I think for a lot of us that is just the kind of situation where issues perpetuate Um, So I hope that was helpful. I'm sorry it was a bit long and rambly. Um, But I just really want to start a conversation about power abuse. And let's talk about it because it's kind of at this level where it's silly to ignore it. And because it's such a clearly such a big issue looking from that study, it's something that we really can't ignore anymore. So I really hope you're okay. I'm sorry I have been walking up hill for a lot of this. And I'm like, why are you choosing fields with hills? Um, but now I'm going through a gate. Anyway, big love to you. Um, see you this evening if you want to tune in to me and Rebecca talking about... We're going to be talking about body image. We're going to be talking about eating disorders. We're going to be talking about musician labels, doing something different, combining being a musician with other things, teaching. Do you know what? I could talk to Rebecca about literally anything. So do tune in eight o'clock Instagram live. Can't wait to see you all there. If you want to come, you're welcome. Um, See you tomorrow as well for day four.